quite a few people out here. <laughs> All right. My name is Ryan Money, and I am one of the youth here at First Colony Christian Church, and it's my privilege to be here this evening. Um, I've been at this church for a little over a year now, and I'm proud to call it my church. I've been at the youth group for about a year since its beginning uh, last year. And uh, so uh, it's just been a great experience to be a part of our uh, church community here at First Colony Christian Church. And like I said, I'm proud to call it uh, my church. So uh, in years past, I wouldn't have considered myself, I wouldn't have seen myself up here today uh, because I was just really never into like commitment or uh, just, <laughs> or just, um, uh, just taking that next step. Uh, but I found myself up here today and so I stand here today, not perfect, but trying to uh, fulfill God's calling on my life. And I believe he's called me into the ministry. So part of the reason why I'm up here today is to try to uh, live out that calling on my life. So uh, today we're going to talk about uh, what it means for the church to actually be the church and what it, what it looks like in a real um, application uh, of how the church should function and uh, who God has called the church to be. But first, let's pray. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be console as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, it is in dying that we are born into eternal life. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12, if y'all want to go ahead and flip there. Uh, so I want to start off today with the story of a man named Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, that name probably rings a bell for many of you, because... Um, <laughs> He was a, actually a mass murderer in the 90s, and his name was um, thrust into the limelight, and he was kind of idolized as just a real evil guy. He, he uh, actually confessed to killing 17 people, over 17 people, and did just evil things. Um, but what most people don't know about him, and that's where kind of the story ends for a lot of people, but what most people don't know is that he was actually converted while he was in prison. And um, I think... That, that's a wonderful thing uh, and a testament to God's redeeming love that he was converted, um, which is really a, a feat for the church. But what people in the Christian community have said about that is that if, and they, this is quotes, um, if Jeffrey Dahmer is in heaven, I don't want to be there either, um, which I think is just a tragic statement for the church community. I think that's uh, one of, not, not a great thing to say because... Um, because God has called the church to be a community of believers who are accepting and uh, just uh, reaching out to those around us. And so um, I think that's where uh, we're going to look in this text and see that uh, Paul would actually agree with me that that shouldn't be the case. All right, so let's dive into the text. I'm just going to read the whole thing, and then we'll just kind of go back and uh, look at a few verses at a time. All right, here we go. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For one spirit we were all baptized into the body, Jews or Greeks, 
slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we, still, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffers together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts? And I will show you a still more excellent way. Okay, that was a lot. So, what we're going to... Um, we're going to see here, and I think what is kind of Paul's thesis for this text is the first two verses, uh, 12 and 13. Paul's going to describe the church as a community of believers all connected uh, with Christ, kind of in other analogies in the Bible, has been as the head. And the church uh, and Christ should function together to bring about change in the world. Uh, so the church, uh, oh man, all right. Lost my train of thought. <laughs> All right. So, uh, cry, uh, cry, okay, I got it. We are to be the hands and feet of God. So um, the church is to be the hands and feet of God. So we're able to do his work when we are functioning properly. As a community of believers, uh, whenever we're functioning properly, uh, we're the hands and feet of God doing his good work in this world. And I think that's the first thing that we can take out of these two verses here. And I think the second thing, which is kind of relating to Jeffrey Dahmer and his story, is that uh, we are made to drink of the same spirit. Um, in, this, in these two verses, Paul's going to say, Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So I think what that means is, and these are slaves and free and Jews are Greeks, they're kind of two opposing uh, groups during this time. And I think that uh, Paul's just kind of opening the door here. He's saying that uh, everyone is... Willing, or everyone is able to receive the gospel. The gospel is no longer exclusively for the Jews or for uh, just one uh, group of people. It's for everyone. And I think that's where we can kind of see uh, why Jeffrey Dahmer should uh, be welcomed into the church and why he should be uh, considered a member of, uh, of the church. Uh, and I think we should also be proud that we serve a God who is able to redeem such a man who has done just evil things in the sight of the God and that he's able to pull him out of that. Uh, and moving on into our kind of second point here, I would say that there's a pla 
place for everyone in the church. If we look in verse 20, it says, As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Such a small statement, but with such a big uh, kind of uh, meaning. Uh, we can take away that the fact that no one is turned away from the church because of their circumstances. Jesus never turned anyone away because of who they, uh, because of who they were and what, uh, what their background was. And I think a great example of this is how our church does uh, communion. Uh, we practice open communion here at First Colony Christian Church, and it means that everyone is able to come up to the table if they want to participate and worship in that way. And I think that's a great example of how uh, the church should be open and willing to receive anyone who's willing to come and participate with us. Um, so for me, uh, we're just kind of, we're all, and everyone should be willing to serve uh, the church in whatever way that may be. And for me, when I was called, I felt called into the ministry, I went to Mr. Pogue naturally, and I said, because with keeping in mind that most most people my age are kind of geared towards children because, you know, we're still young and geared towards children, there must be something wrong with me because I'm not geared that way. I don't really click with little children. I don't understand why they do the things they do. And I just, I'm just, I mean, I'm not bashing, like, small children, but we just, we just don't, we just don't uh, see eye to eye, probably because I'm much taller than a lot of them. <laughs> but anyways... Uh, and he kind of steered me away from that choice in the ministry just because he knew who I am and he knows that I'm not geared that way. Um, and I think that's a great example of how everyone is gifted differently by the Spirit, but we're all moving and working by that same Spirit to accomplish the will of God. Right. And uh, moving on, I think that God exalts the least of these. In verse 23, Paul is going to say this. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. Uh, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division uh, in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So I think this is a really important uh, point that Paul's trying to make here is that uh, everyone, uh, everyone should be kind of equal in the kingdom of God. So uh, the people who are uh, kind of ignored or looked over, glazed over in the church, they should be exalted. They should be put on the pedestal with the, the leaders of the church and everyone else in the church. That there is no, no one gets left behind in our church. That everyone is um, encouraged and, uh, uh, you know, kind of in the loop. Everyone is... Uh, equal, and I think that everyone who's participating in the background of the functioning of the church, whether that may be, uh, you know, running the slides or who's not up center stage, uh, should be uh, put up there with everyone else. And I think moving into the last point is that in order for the church to perform its function well, we must all do our own part individually, but we need to do it with one spirit. Uh, Mr. Pogue, in these last few months, we've kind of been emphasizing community in our youth group. And uh, he's often asked us, who is the most important in the person in the church? And the answer to that question is no one, because everyone is included and welcome in the church. Uh, 
and a great example of how the church should function uh, with uh, unique gifts, but all function as one, is actually this youth service. Because I'm not a singer, I'm not gifted like Brooks and uh, and Daniel and Melody are. I'm, I guess I'm gifted at talking. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I guess well, time will tell. But uh, <laughs> in the next five minutes or so. Um, but but, uh, uh, but yeah, it's just a great example of how uh, a bunch of people who are very different, uh, different mind, different mindsets, different worldviews can all come together and put on uh, a service that honors God. Um, so that's one way that the church can function uh, as a community of believers. But I think a bigger question is, what do we do when we leave this place? Um, because it's easy to come to church every, every, every week and say, you know, I'm, I'm participating in the church. But as we go out into our own section of the world individually, we have to keep in mind uh, that we're to do the work of God there too. So I think that it's important um, to uh, ask the question, what can we do when we leave this place? And I think uh, the biggest point that I can stress, I think if there's anything that you want to take out of this, uh, this all this rambling, is uh, that we should love our neighbor. Uh, Jesus, while telling the, good, uh, telling the parable of the Good Samaritan, he's going to say, uh, he's going to say, he's going to tell the Greek, or the Jew, he's going to ask the Jew, who was the, who was, who is your neighbor? And the Greek, I mean, the Jew is going to say the person who did good. Uh, he won't even say the word Samaritan because of the ethnic tensions that exist there, but uh, he knows that the, the Samaritan was the person who was his neighbor. So I think that's a good example that your neighbor is the person that you don't like. He's the person across the street that you don't really talk to, have never met before. And I think that we can love our neighbor in several different ways. That can be from as simple as um, just uh, a smile, sharing a meal, anything like that. Uh, just random acts of kindness is one way that we can show the love that Christ has given us. Um, and I just want to comment on the last verse uh, in this section. It says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Um, what Paul is saying here is that you can have your gift and you can do it well. I can be a good speaker and do it well, but if I'm not doing it out of love and uh, uh, doing it for the will of God and for his, for his service, then I'm nothing. In the next chapter, it kind of leads into that. It's going to talk about love and what love is. It's kind of the love chapter. Uh, and it says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So I can, I can have all, the, all the, uh, the gifts in the world, but if I'm not doing them out of love, then I'm really nothing. And I think, uh, and we'll end on this, but I think one of the most powerful stories that's a sobering reminder of who Christians are supposed to be in this world is the story of the Rwandan genocide in the 1990s. Uh, so in 1994, there were uh, two opposing groups, uh, the Hutu people and the Tutsi people, and uh, they, have, they were all actually Christians. They had been converted in the 90s by Christian missionaries who had gone over during the 90s, and it seemed to be extremely successful at first, but they soon realized after the death of an important leader in the country that uh, the ethnic tensions grew and... Uh, 
uh, quickly fighting started, and in a 100-day period, between 500,000 people and 1 million people died. So it's just a terrible situation there. And all these people who are killing each other were actually Christians, uh, and they knew this. But what I think we can take away from this, uh, and they, what they did was they lost their identity in Christ. They forgot who they were. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't recognize. They forgot how to love your neighbor. They forgot who their neighbor was, and they, um, they just kind of lost sight of who they were in Christ. And I think that's what we can take away from that, is that we're to love Christ and love other people, regardless of who they are or what uh, tensions may exist there. And um, I think, so as we go out from this week and this end of this week, uh, keep in mind who your neighbor is and remember to love them with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this time. Uh,